being a musician certainly takes uh, a lot of motivation, dedication, and also hard work. You have to really be willing to piece different things together and find a way to make it work. And it's just what I've always loved. It's always been my passion. And so it's a challenge that I was happy to take on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to At WCSU, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz here with Pete Puccio, and today our guest is Darren Litzy. He's a graduate of WestCon from the music program, and he's a wildly successful musician who's made it on his own as a recording artist and a teacher, and he's uh, making money supporting himself. Yeah, it's great. I um yeah I remember Darren from uh, working at music camps and and I was still hanging around here because I never left this building uh, <laughs> after I graduated so I I sometimes forget when all the various people were here because that whole block of time for me is one big lump but I you know I remember Darren and I remember what a great pianist he was then and uh, it was neat to to see him again and hear what he's been up to and and the album's great I was listening to it. Uh, you know, he gave us a, a copy, yeah. and it's 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 great. I listened to it too. I was really impressed. Was, uh, I really know nothing about music, but when he was playing, it was almost like listening to water babbling in a brook. It was so lyrical and beautiful. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Have, Pete, have you ever thought about uh, going on a tuba tour, and <laughs> making money off your music talents? Uh, I made very little money uh, back in my day. I, you know, I got a few gigs here and there. We'd play churches at Easter and things like that, but I never really made a go of it. Um, I ended up doing a lot more recording and stuff. So, recording other people's yeah, stuff. Yeah, recording other people's yeah. CDs and things was kind of the way I went. So, yeah, but, that's okay. That's good too. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as I get my horn fixed, maybe I'll take it on the road. You can come, you can be my manager. Oh, we'll I'd love team. that. <laughs> All right, enough of that garbage. Let's get to Darren. <laughs> <laughs> and now, recorded live in the basement of Whitehall, our interview with Darren Litzy. All right, Darren, how long has it been since you've been back on campus? Wow, well, let's see. So I graduated in 2009, and then I was back a few times in, let's see, the next few years. In 2014, I actually had a great experience. I was invited back to play at the annual jazz festival with my group uh, that I was leading at the time, and we opened for the legendary Vanguard Jazz Orchestra, and I think that was my last time back on this campus. I went to the jazz festival on the uh, West Side campus a couple of times since then, but it's my first time back in Whitehall since 2014, and as we were just discussing, Paul, I've spent many long hours in this building, and it's great to be back. Yeah, and actually you were a uh, compadre of uh, Pete Pucci, our engineer. Here, right? That's, That's right. right. Yes, Pete was my distinguished colleague at the uh, <laughs> annual summer jazz, cap, jazz camp. A lot of great memories there, so yeah. <laughs> great to see Pete again. And now you're a uh, famous musician, and he's uh, still here at West Con. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that'll famous. be all for today. <laughs> <laughs> famous is debatable, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went to uh, graduated from West Con, and now you're uh, making your uh, living as a working musician. Yeah, very fortunate to have gotten the wonderful experience that I did at West Con. Again, graduated in 2009 and uh, 
Pretty much right from day one, I realized that this was going to be the perfect fit and the perfect place for me because I think the thing that I really enjoyed the most about WestCon is that it was big enough to where I met a lot of really interesting people, great musicians, and had a lot of, of course, really memorable, great experiences, but also small enough to where it really felt like a community, Mm -hmm. a close-knit community of people who I got to know really well and still keep in touch with, still play with all the time, really great musicians. And I feel like the experience I had here really kind of set me on a path to be a successful musician. And I took the skills that I learned here from all the great professors and used them in the years that uh, came after that. And my teaching that I do today is, I think, really informed by the uh, instruction that I was given here at Westcom. Mm-hmm. So do you uh, play and also teach? I do, yes. Since 2013, I've been an adjunct professor at Sacred Heart University, Mm -hmm. and I teach piano lessons and music classes there. And I also teach private piano lessons and then play as much as I can, uh, whatever opportunities arise. So I think it's being a musician is certainly uh, a challenge. I think every musician, when they're young, hears those voices saying, Uh, be careful being a musician. It's not a nine-to-five job. How are you going to make money doing that? And certainly those are valid uh, issues or valid complaints to make. But uh, I think being a musician certainly takes uh, a lot of motivation, dedication, and also hard work. You have Mm -hmm. to really be willing to piece different things together and find a way to make it work. And it's just what I've always loved. It's always been my passion And so it's a challenge that I was happy to take on. And uh, thankfully, it's worked out pretty well because I'm very busy today just sort of doing a combination of playing, writing, teaching, and recording music and managing to piece it all together to uh, uh, make a career doing what I love doing. Mm -hmm. That's great. And you have this new album out, or what do we call it, recording? or Album, recording, CD, a variety of names, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have actually a CD. Yes, I do. So if anyone uh, still has a CD player either in their car <laughs> or in their home, they can uh, <laughs> they can go purchase one online. If you go on my website, DarrenLitzy.com, you'll see all the various uh, um, platforms where you can access the record. And it's uh, something that I'm really proud to have done. I recorded it uh, last June 2021 at a great studio in New Haven, Connecticut called Firehouse 12. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of my pandemic project when everything shut down in March of 2020. Thankfully, I had the teaching to keep me going financially. But aside from that, as was the case with everyone else, I was just home a lot and kind of trying to figure out how to stay sane. So I said, you know what, I think now's the time. Let me finally get to work on my first record. I had recorded six records as a sideman for uh, other projects, which I really enjoyed doing and gained a lot of valuable experience from. But I hadn't yet recorded my first record as a leader because it, it was just not really the right time I felt like before that and I wasn't quite ready yet or I don't know things were always getting in the way schedule wise and then again once everything shut down I said okay I no longer have the excuse of being too busy let me just get to work and and uh, and make my first record as a leader and it ended up working out really well and 
sort of a cool fact about this record is that every musician who contributed to it actually has a Westcon connection. Mm-hmm. So the two uh, woodwind players on the record, on soprano saxophone and flute, we have the great Nick Biello, who was a year ahead of me at Westcon, and uh, just a remarkable musician. Uh, has played all over the world with his groups, has a couple of records on his own, and he now teaches at uh, the New School in New Jersey City College. On alto saxophone is the great Andrew Beals, who's been on the music faculty here for a long mm-hmm. time, one of my former teachers and mentors, and somebody who I can really credit with helping me kind of form my individual sound. Mm. On the bass is... Uh, Chris DeAngelis, who actually graduated in 2004 from Westcon, the year before I got here, but he was still around and ended up teaching a little bit here as well. And him and I just kind of hit it off right away, and uh, we've played a bunch through the years, so he was the first person who I thought of um, to play bass on the record. And then the drummer is someone who I'm really fortunate to work with, the great John Riley from the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra. And the story of, of my meeting him is a really interesting one. It goes back to 2007 when I was a junior here and I was taking uh, a jazz arranging class taught by the wonderful Jamie Bagian, who's the producer of this record, Mm. a wonderful teacher, a great musician, uh, and he's now the associate chair of the music department here. And so this jazz arranging class that I was taking, the focus of it was on large ensemble writing, big band jazz writing, which I had never done before. And the final project for that class was to uh, write your first big band chart. And coinciding with that, Jamie brought in the legendary Vanguard Jazz Orchestra to uh, be the fall guest artist that year. And they spent a full day doing clinics and then an evening concert. And as part of the afternoon festivities, they read our charts, the charts that we had written in the jazz arranging class, So it was a pretty amazing experience. This was the first large ensemble jazz big band chart that I had ever written. And it was about to be sight-read by the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra, this group that I had been listening to for years, was a big fan of. And it was just this surreal moment where I'm standing there on stage listening to these 16 world-class musicians playing this piece of music that I arranged. And... I remember just feeling the hairs on my arms standing up, just thinking, this is so cool, and this is definitely something that I want to do with the rest of my life. And on drums in that band was John Riley, a legendary jazz drummer, and we met. He was very kind about uh, the chart that I had written, and we ended up staying in touch for years after that, and I would occasionally uh, email him to ask if he was available for a gig or something and the timing never quite worked out he would be in Europe or something but then when it was time to record my first record he was the first person who I thought of and fortunately he was available willing to do it he remembered me from uh, that experience and boy am I glad he was available because Mm. it was such a treat playing with him and uh, really an incredibly rewarding experience so yeah, every single person who contributed to this record can be traced back to Westcon, and it, it goes to show how the uh, quality of the musicianship here is so high. And I also just made a bunch of great friends here. I mean, these are all people who I not, not only enjoy playing with, but also just enjoy hanging out with. Mm-hmm. And so I hope people can 
pick up on that when they listen to the record. Just these are people who really enjoy playing together. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that comes through. What um, did you write all this music? So uh, it's a mix of my original compositions. There are five of those on the record, and then five of my arrangements. I took mm-hmm. uh, uh, five pieces from different styles of music, mostly jazz, but I also arranged the pop tune Up, Up, and Away by uh, Jimmy Webb, one of my favorite pop tunes. I, I always enjoy the project of taking something that's not typically thought of as a jazz tune and seeing if it could possibly work in a jazz setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that jazz musicians have been doing for decades, but it's, it's a real challenge because usually with pop tunes, they're fun, they're danceable, but it's kind of hard to play them as an instrumental because the melodies tend to be a little bit more repetitive or they just don't tend to really work that great as instrumentals but the composer of up up in a way jimmy webb uh, who you may be familiar with also wrote wichita lineman and macarthur park all these great tunes mm. he just had a real uh sort of um i would say almost a jazz sensibility in his writing where these these songs tend to work well as instrumentals so i had a fun time arranging that and uh, yeah, so basically the record serves as kind of my introduction to the world musically, to people who haven't heard me before. It's mm-hmm. just kind of a way for me to put my piano playing and my composition and arranging out there and hope that people enjoy it. Mm-hmm. What drew you to the piano? Why is that your instrument? I think the piano to me was always so attractive just because of how I think physically accessible it is it's not like a saxophone or a trumpet where you have to build up the muscles in your in your uh, mouth and armature and everything the piano you can just sit down and play you can play if you're a little under the weather or, you know it's just very physically accessible so my uh, grandparents at their house had a piano when I was when I was really little going over there I would just sit down and tinker around my grandfather was a great musician, great woodwind player. He played uh, saxophone, clarinet, and flute, had his own band in the army and everything mm-hmm. during World War II. And uh, so he was he was a big fan of the standards of the 30s and 40s. And so that music was very much around me when I was growing up. My dad, neither of my parents is a musician, but my dad is a big Frank Sinatra fan. And so he introduced me to that music from a young age. So music was always around and I think the piano, something about it just drew me to it. Again, the, the sort of physical accessibility of it. And also it just kind of looked really cool. Just I think the piano was a very uh, beautiful looking instrument. And I always, when I was little, got such a thrill out of just sitting down and making up little things, little mm-hmm. ideas. I would sit down and just play a little pattern in my right hand and maybe hold out a note against that in the left hand. I didn't really know what I was doing, of course, when I was five, six years old, but I just loved that you could sort of quickly make up things at the piano. And then once I started taking lessons, and then when I was about 12 years old, um, more official jazz lessons, I just really took to that. And my interest in not only piano, but also jazz just continued to take off once I got into high school and college. Mm-hmm. And why do you think it was jazz instead of pop or rock or something else that attracted you? Sure, it's a good question. And I think because I liked creating, that was the main thing that motivated me musically, I felt like jazz was just tailor-made for me. When I, when I really started studying jazz and finding out how it worked and everything, I said, 
wait a minute, there's this middle section in the music where you improvise, where you just kind of make it up on the spot. This music was tailor-made for me. That's what I wanted to, that's what I want to do. When I was first starting out playing piano, I didn't really have the patience to, to learn new songs or to read music. Thankfully, I, I acquired that patience later on. But at first, all I wanted to do was just, was just make my own songs. I wanted to make it up. So, so that sort of right brain creative side of things uh, made it seem like jazz was, again, just tailor-made for me. So I was always really drawn to that music and sort of the, the mystery in it as well. I, I, I loved the fact that when I was first learning jazz, when I was 12, 13 years old, I didn't fully understand it, of course, and I kind of liked that. I liked that it was mysterious and there was this quality to it that made you want to, to dissect it and find out more about it. So uh, I always sort of saw it as this this challenge of of wanting to to learn more about this music and figure out what these people were playing, what the piano was playing behind the saxophone, and how does this all work? So mm -hmm. I don't know. It's always been the music for me. Yeah, that's interesting, especially for as a non-musician. You know, I've seen, I go to jazz concerts sometimes, and I don't understand it at that level, but mm -hmm. uh, I start to pick up things, and like you say, the improvisation. Mm -hmm, sure. <laughs> and uh, uh, how it kind of fits into the big picture. Sure, yeah, and I think one of the things that I love the most about jazz is that it's always different. Mm -hmm. You have your melody that you play pretty much the same every time you play a certain song, but then what happens in between the melody in the, at the beginning and the melody at the end is always different. So I could play, let's say the jazz standard, Have You Met Miss Jones? I can play it one night with a bass player and a drummer on a gig and it goes one way maybe we play it as a medium tempo swing tune and then maybe the following weekend i'll play that same tune with the same two people at the same place and it's totally different mm -hmm. maybe we play it as an up-tempo cuban thing and we we're inspired to sort of take the solos in a different place and i think i've i've just always been someone who likes variety in the music that i'm playing and also in my work, I feel like that's why the the career of being a musician has been great for me too, because it's always different. Of mm -hmm. course, my teaching is kind of that that thing that gives me a little bit of a routine, but as far as the performances, maybe one weekend I'm backing up a singer, uh, maybe the following weekend I'm playing at a wedding, or the following weekend I'm playing solo piano at a, at a music venue. So it's always different, and that's what makes it exciting. Mm -hmm. Sounds like fun. And it really is, yeah, <laughs> very fortunate. How about with the teaching? I imagine at the college level you have uh, students who know something about what they're doing and they're practiced. But if you do it as a, um, on the, in addition, like um, individuals, uh, private lessons, that seems like it must be tough. Sometimes you get some clunkers, right, who you're never <laughs> just going to get. <laughs> That's very true, and it's. I, I really enjoy it, though. I enjoy the sort of, I guess you could call it almost a thrill of having no idea what's going to walk in the door. When mm -hmm. I teach a, a student, as you said, whether it's at the college or I've taught private piano students as young as five, six years old mm. and adults in their 70s. Mm. And when they come in for the first time, you never know what what their interests are going to be and what their goal is. So I, I get such a high off of that first lesson 
just trying to figure out what makes a student tick. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they can't articulate that right away. If it's a student at the college, I've had many students who are taking piano lessons as an elective. They're seniors, they needed one more credit, <laughs> and they heard piano lessons are fun. And But there's always something that they want to accomplish, even though they maybe can't, can't explain that right away. So I love trying to get to the bottom of what kind of music do you like? What are you interested in? What, what could you picture yourself doing with the piano maybe a year from now? Even if you're a nursing major or a marketing major, there's got to be something that you want to do. Mm -hmm. And then as I sort of start to unwrap their thoughts and you know, they say, oh, well, my brother is kind of into Billy Joel and maybe I could learn a song and show him. That would be cool. Or, oh, you know, I have a roommate who sings and he likes Journey. So I love that challenge of just kind of figuring out what this student really wants to get out of the piano and sort of helping them get on that path. And then when you see that, that initial light bulb go off mm -hmm. when they play their first, whether it's, uh, you know, Row, Row, Row Your Boat or a Billy Joel song or a jazz standard, whatever it is, when they do that first thing, you see that look in their eye like, wait a minute, I just did that? I played this song? And that's so rewarding to me, and it's mm -hmm. just why I love teaching. You mentioned earlier about uh, learning here to find your own voice or make the music your own. What is that uh, exactly? Sure. So it's really challenging to define, but I think every musician, when they're learning their craft, learns the most by listening, mm -hmm. listening to the greats who came before them. So in the jazz world, you're talking about, of course, people like Charlie Parker, John Coltrane, uh, Bill Evans for, for piano players, Wynton Kelly, Oscar Peterson, people like that. You learn the vocabulary by listening to the masters who were experts at it. And so ideally what every musician does, I think, is you listen to as many different greats as you can and take a little bit from the people who you like, maybe a certain way of phrasing from this person or a certain specific lick that this piano player played. Maybe this particular saxophone player played with a certain swagger that you really like. You try to take a little bit from each person who you like and try to piece that together into something that hopefully sounds like you. And I think your style is just a reflection of your influences, who mm -hmm. you've listened to and also who you've been taught by. I'm very influenced by my teachers that I've had here at WestCon and on from there in grad school and everything. And so, yeah, I think your, your style is just defined by where you've come from, your background and, and who you've been listening to and who you've been taught by for your whole life. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because it sounds like it's something you can keep learning and developing the rest of your life. And that's another thing that I love about music is that you never stop learning. Even today I teach at Sacred Heart a, a sight singing class to freshman singers in the choral program where they're all singers and uh, my job is to kind of give them a real nuts and bolts foundation to improve their ears and, and help them uh, stay in tune and sort of recognize sounds that they're hearing and things like that. And as a part of my preparation for that class, I practice those skills because mm -hmm. it's kind of like I use the analogy, it's like a basketball player shooting free throws. They never stop doing that. And uh, there, there's never a point in the music world where you can say, I've learned it all. Mm -hmm. There's always someone else out there who's doing something different, 
especially in today's world where music is so easily accessible, um, Spotify, YouTube, and everything. I think there are advantages and disadvantages to all that, but the advantage is it's really easy to check out new music. Mm -hmm. And so you can go on YouTube and just a video pops up. Everybody knows about the column on the right where they recommend videos. And you say, what's this? What's this? And you see some, someone doing something that you had, have never heard before. And then you kind of say, wow, maybe I can incorporate some of that into my playing. So, so yeah, it's the, the journey of learning and getting better at your instrument and at your craft and music, I think, never ends. And mm -hmm. it's very exciting just sort of thinking about what the next step is going to be on that journey. Sounds great. And people can hear some of your music and buy it and learn more about you at where? Yeah, so if you go on my website, darrenlitzy.com, you will see uh, right on the main page there a link to my link tree, which is the fancy way today where musicians put all of the ways you can access the record on one handy website. So you go on there and you'll see whether you want to purchase the record or listen to it on Spotify, YouTube, whatever it is, I'm, uh, I'm more than happy with people accessing it however they want. As long as they're enjoying the music, that's fine by me. And then also on my website, you'll see my bio and upcoming performances and also a contact on there if folks want to say hello. I'm more than happy to hmm. hear from you. And uh, yeah, so stop by my website and say hello and check out the record. Yeah, definitely do that. Yeah, thank you. Darren, thanks so much for coming by. It's been great uh, listening to you, uh, your story and uh, hearing about your successes. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Paul, and it's always great to be back at WestCon. A lot of great memories here. Hmm, thank you. Thank you. It's great to talk to graduates who have done so well after WestCon, and they'd still talk about the good things they learned here as a kind of a foundation for their later success. It was kind of exciting. Yeah, and it's always great to see them come back and kind of you watch them enjoy being back on campus mm -hmm. without, you know, every person I've seen who does that. They come back and they you see them kind of smiling and looking around and remembering places, and which is weird because I've never left. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that experience. That's why you're always but, smiling. Uh, that's it. I'm, oh, I'm living in the nostalgia. So and that's why I think I'm still a kid. So Yes. And your wife does, too. Yeah. <laughs> and my kids do, too. <laughs> All right. I think that's it for this week. I'm Paul Steinmetz. That's Pete Puccio. And this is At WCSU. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Podcasts and feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.